Greetings fellow captains, and welcome back to Rank Amateur. On this episode of Rank Amateur, we will be featuring the New York-class battleship USS New York, which sits at Tier 5 in a non-premium position in the U.S. battleship line in World of Warships. And you may be thinking, well, Jaden, this is a day late. Yeah, it is a day late. I know I promised it would be on Saturday, but I did forget about cross-country. And cross-country goes six days a week, and that is from Monday to Saturday. So the only free day of the week for me is going to be Sunday, so I guess that will be the new day. Yes, that will be the new day. Plan on Sunday being the day that Rank Amateur uploads, unless I manage to botch the upload date again. Don't expect too much. But without further ado, welcome to the second upload attempt on a weekend, or actually the second weekend episode upload attempt. So, USS New York, the first, actually, no, not the first, the second New York-class battleship to be laid down. Its sister ship, the USS Texas, was actually laid down before it, which is quite interesting. Why USS New York got the class named after it, I do not know, but that's just what the Navy decided to do. But anyways, she was laid down on September 11th, 1911. She was launched on October 30th, 1912. And she was commissioned on May 15, 1914. And she did have a nickname, and that was the Old Lady of the Sea. I don't know why that is, but that they keep giving these ships nicknames, why they can't just use the, the normal name, but beats me. Anyways, she had a displacement of 27,000 long tons, standard, and a displacement of 28,367 long tons full load. Length was 573 feet overall, or 174.7 meters, but she actually was shorter at the waterline, and that was 565 feet, or 172.2 meters at the waterline. She had a beam of 95 feet, 2.5 inches, or 29 meters. She had a draft of 28 feet, 6 inches, or 8.7 meters. And that is the mean draft. That is the average depth of the ship, not the total depth. And the maximum draft was 29 feet, 7 inches, or 9 meters, which is actually fairly deep. Installed power was 14 Babcock and Wilcox boilers, for a total of 28,100 shaft horsepower. And producing that shaft horsepower was two triple expansion steam engines. Yes, this was not originally equipped with steam turbine engines, which is kind of interesting because USS North Dakota had experimented them. It was the first ship to have uh, the steam turbine engines, and that was way back in the 1910s. Yeah, USS North Dakota was launched in 1908, which was three years before the construction even started on USS New York. So it puzzles me why they would not use that technology that has been proven by 
another battleship, which is interesting. I mean, it was still an experimental technology, but it had been proven to be much more efficient and less maintenance intensive for the Navy's mechanics. Now, she had a top speed of 21 knots, which is not very fast. It's actually very slow. I mean, for battleships of its time, it's not too bad, but it's still pretty slow. She had a range of 7,060 nautical miles at 10 knots, which is kind of standard. She had a complement of 1,042 officers and crew members, or an enlisted. And she had an armament of... Five twin 14-inch gun turrets, 21 single 5-inch gun turrets, four single 3-pounder 47mm saluting guns, two single 1-pounder 37mm 1.46-inch guns, and four 21-inch torpedo tubes that the latter were fixed and submerged and rarely used. She had a lot of armor, like I mean a lot of armor. Her armor belt was 254 to 305 millimeters thick. The lower casemate was 229 to 279 millimeters thick. The upper casemate was 165 millimeters thick. The turret barbettes were 254 to 305 millimeters thick. The turret faces were 356 millimeters thick. The turret tops were 102 millimeters thick. The turret sides were 51 millimeters thick. The decks were two inches thick, which I don't know what that is in millimeters. I think that's like, oh geez. Oh, that is 51 millimeters, so the decks were 51 millimeters thick, so not super thick on the decks, but the conning tower did have 12 and 4 inches of armor on it. So 12 inch sides, so that's going to be a 305 millimeter side, and a 4 inch top, so 102 millimeter top, which is very thick in all respects. However, she was refitted in 1925 and 1926. Displacement was increased from 27,000 tons, or from uh, 28,000 tons full load to 32,000 tons full load, but the 27,000 tons standard displacement remained the same. The draft was increased to 31 feet 6 inches, or 9.60 meters, and that's the max draft, but that is still very deep. It actually restricted it from entering certain harbors. The installed power was changed to six Bureau Express water tube boilers. The armament was changed to five twin 14-inch guns, or, well, that was retained, but uh, 16 uh, 5-inch guns and eight single 3-inch AA guns. They were um, changed from saluting guns to AA guns. There was three float planes that were added along with one catapult so that there was um, a certain aviation capacity and spotting capacity, along with reconnaissance. And in 1942, there was still the same main armament, but this time a ton more AA guns had been added. The 10 of the 5-inch guns had been taken off in favor for way more AA guns. So 10 single 3-inch AA guns, 6 quadruple 40mm Bofor AA cannons, and... 42 single 20mm Orlikin AA guns. 42. I mean, oh my goodness. That is a lot of AA. I mean, it's nowhere near what some of the larger battleships had, but it's 
still far better it, than it was before, and it makes any any aircraft squadron seriously question if they want to attack this aircraft, and they will lose a lot of aircraft attacking this ship. I can just imagine the enemy aircraft, uh, Japanese aircraft, are approaching, and they're like, approach it from the southwest, and the New York's like, Are you sure about that? And then the New York proceeds to absolutely murder all of the remaining aircraft in the Japanese squadron. But let's get into the history of USS New York without further ado. Under the command of Captain Thomas S. Rogers, USS New York's headed straight for Veracruz in the days immediately after its commissioning. And this was in the support of the United States occupation of Veracruz, and that ended and USS New York returned to the States and essentially just undertook goodwill duties, which is just improving the image of the Navy in the eyes of the public. And that just consisted of, well, in December 1915, she actually held a high-profile Christmas party and dinner for several hundred orphans from in and around New York City at the suggestion of her crew. And this actually became a tradition on the ship, and... This earned her another nickname, which is the Christmas Ship, and I'm assuming that's among the children who were orphaned in New York City. And after this, she participated in training exercises off the Atlantic coast. And then the U.S. enters into World War I. And this is a ship that has probably the rarest of beasts as far as in history is concerned. And that's an interesting history in World War I. Now, it starts off when the U.S. squadrons of battleships, and I think it's the 6th, or Battleship Division 9, they were demonstrating their gunnery training skills in front of the British Grand Fleet in the North Sea, and USS New York was the only ship to have an excellent rating with an accuracy of 93.3%, which is outstanding for a battleship, versus most of her sisters only got mediocre reviews, which is kind of embarrassing for the U.S. Navy in front of its um, British rival, I guess. Not like enemy, but rival. <laughs> and this is interesting because in World of Warships, USS New York is notoriously inaccurate. Like, its dispersion on its shells is horrid, which I find kind of interesting because in history, it wasn't that way. It was one of the most accurate battleships in the U.S. Navy. Yeah, just think about that for a second. That's quite interesting. And it makes me question why Wargaming didn't take that into account when they were creating this ship in World of Warships. And one more interesting fact about USS New York in World War One: She did not fire any shots in anger during the war. So she didn't fire any shots at enemy ships during the war. But she still got credit for sinking an enemy vessel. So some vessel out there got sunk by a ship that didn't even shoot at it. <laughs> That's got to be a dent in someone's pride. But essentially what happened is USS New York was engaged in convoy duties with other U.S. battleships. And 
And suddenly, there was a large, like, racket and noise, along with a slight shudder in the ship, and then another large noise and shudder in the ship. And what happened was, or, well, the men initially thought they had struck an underwater object, like a wreck, but then they checked the charts, and the water was far too deep for it to be a wreck. It was then concluded that there was a U-boat. They had struck a submerged U-boat. And that had actually broken off two of the blades on one of the ship's two propellers, reducing it to one propeller and engine, and thus a speed of 12 knots. This U-boat was later, after the war, confirmed to have been sunk. It was either UB-1113 or UB-123. UB-123. Uh-huh. That's funny. Anyways, but it was an accidental sinking of the German vessel, which is interesting. And the ship immediately began to sail to Roslinth, um, Roslinth? Yeah, Roslinth, under heavy escort for repairs on October 15th. And it was then it encountered another U-boat, which launched three torpedoes at the damaged vessel. However, because it was standard to steam 18 knots, the U-boat adjusted its course so that the target, or that the torpedoes would hit the target, if it was sailing 18 knots. However, it was only sailing 12 knots, so they sailed clean past the bow of the ship and did nothing. This this damage caused by the earlier U-boat probably saved USS New York, as three torpedoes from a U-boat could have very well sunk it. In fact, one could have. Another interesting thing about this ship is it was often host to foreign uh, diplomats, as this was of high interest to foreign diplomats because they would like to observe a U.S. battleship up close. Many of them had previously observed uh, British warships because there, well, there were so many of them. But it was very rare for a foreign diplomat to be allowed aboard a U.S. battleship. So this was of particular interest to the foreign diplomats. The interwar period was not very eventful for USS New York. However, it was interesting because it was fitted with anti-torpedo bulges during that time, and these bulges made maneuvering harder at low speeds as she did roll badly, and gunfire accuracy was reduced in anything but calm seas, which is probably where World of Warships gets its inaccurate gunfire for the USS New York from. So I guess it could be excused that USS New York has inaccurate guns in World of Warships, but it should just change, the gun accuracy should then change depending on which hull you have mounted. If you have the earlier hull with the uh, lattice masts and sort of like the World War One era thing, you should have the the problem of not having very good anti-aircraft defense, but you should also have way more accurate guns versus in the later version with the torpedo bulges and large anti-aircraft quanti- or large quantities of anti-aircraft guns, you should have no problem avoid or with torpedoes and no problem with aircraft, but you should have significant problems with your gun batteries, which is kind of what happens, I guess, except for the fact that in all the hulls of USS New York, they're extremely inaccurate as far as the weaponry is concerned, which can be a little frustrating. But back to the history part. We'll get to that in the second half of today's episode. So she then left for practice 
or short-range battery drills with USS Arizona. And now this ship, I'm sure you know, is quite infamous as far as U.S. Navy terms is considered because of her loss at the attack of Pearl Harbor with most of her crew. And she actually practiced as well with USS Pennsylvania in that time. And that was September 4th, 1928 that that training began. However, the rest of the interwar period wasn't very eventful. She was fitted with experimental XAF radar, which allowed her to detect both, uh, both air and sea targets from an extended range, which is interesting. But other than that, just neutrality patrols and not very much interesting things. However, she was in modernization when the Imperial Japanese Navy attacked naval station or naval air station Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. After the Japanese attacked, USS New York's overhaul was then sped up and completed four weeks after the attack. She pretty much just served in duty escorting cargo and troop ships to Iceland and Scotland. Iceland at this time was occupied by the British because it was taken over as a strategic uh, I guess outpost because it was feared that the Germans would take over and thus have a flanking position on the British Isles. So the British got there first and forcefully, forcefully, for, forced yes, forcefully forced the Icelandic people into the war with the Allies or on the Allies side. Kind of interesting. So that was a little bit of the dark side of the British Empire in World War II. However, she did see her first major action on Operation Torch, where she was assisting the Allied invasion of North Africa, which was Operation Torch. But she left for North Africa from Norfolk on October 23rd, 1942. She was being escorted by the cruiser USS Philadelphia, six destroyers, and various other you know, uh, ships that are typically in a convoy, such as oilers and resupply ships. And she was supporting the landings of the U.S. 9th Infantry Division, 47th Infantry Regiment. And she also defended the transports Cole and Berndau, which came under attack by 130mm shore batteries at Point de la Tour. Uh, New York fired several salvos of her 14-inch guns, or 360 millimeters, with one of them striking the base of the battery, ricocheting into the bunker, and destroying the rangefinder, range and killing the battery commander and neutralizing, or and thus neutralizing the battery. Way to go! <laughs> and other shore batteries were destroyed by Philadelphia's slightly more accurate guns and aircraft from the air escort carrier Santee or USS Santee. USS New York did remain on station until uh, the port had been secured, but then went steamed north to support the Semter Group off Fendala and Casablanca, and this was specifically to deal with the threat of the Vichy French battleship the Jean Bart. But by the time that she arrived, she had been completely neutralized by battleship Massachusetts, and other Vichy French ships that had been in the area were driven off by the cruisers Brooklyn and Augusta. And then USS New York remained off the coast of North Africa until the beaches, all the beaches, were secure. And then 
retired back to U.S. ports on November 14th, and she had actually expended a total of 60 14-inch rounds, which is quite a lot for a battleship. And she ended up returning to to Norfolk on November 23rd, 1942. Later that year, she was converted to a training ship, or not really converted, but just used as a training ship for pretty much the rest of the year. However, this lowered the morale of the crew, and a large number of requests for a transfer to new posts were put in. And this was eventually granted, and she was transferred to the Pacific Theater all the way in 1944. So yeah, for two years she was a training ship, and she trained over 11,000 soldiers. I think it was 11,750 soldiers on how to use the 14-inch gun, the 5-inch gun, and the 3-inch gun, as well as the 20mm and 40mm anti-aircraft cannons. Now, in the Pacific Theater, she got off to a slightly rough start, because she arrived in Long Beach, California, slightly behind schedule because she had broken down once along the way, and she had lost an observation plane in bad weather. Unfortunate, but... I guess the war must go on. After she arrived in Long Beach, she conducted some refresher training off of the coast, and then in January 1945, departed to rendezvous with Idaho, Tennessee, Nevada, Texas, and Arkansas to to form a support force for the invasion of Iwo Jima. New York actually lost a blade off her port propeller just before the invasion began and put in for temporary repairs at Iniwetok from the 5th of February to the 7th of February, 1945. And she returned to the group on February 11th, and they arrived at Iwo Jima on February 16th and began the pre-invasion bombardment. And... During the bombardment, USS New York did fire 6,417 rounds, including 1,037 14-inch rounds. And one of her broadside salvos did strike the primary ammunition dump and storage on Iwo Jima, causing the, quote, most spectacular secondary explosion in the campaign. And she then retired from the area on 19... on February 19th, and arrived at Ulithi on February 21st. After a more permanent repair to her port propeller, she participated in the shore bombardment of Okinawa. During the campaign, she spent 76 consecutive days on station and expended 4,159 rounds of 14-inch ammunition and 7,001 rounds of 5-inch ammunition. And she actually was subject to a kamikaze attack, but it was poorly aimed and it just crashed into a spotting plane on the catapult of turret number three and crashed over the ship and 50 yards away. USS New York did suffer superficial damage and two men injured. However, her gun burial, her gun barrels were so worn out by all the consecutive uh, salvos that she fired at the island that she had to return to Pearl Harbor to have them taken off, refit, and put back on. However, she was in the harbor on August 15th when the war ended. Some crazy facts about the usage of USS New York, which she was heavily used in World War II. She spent 1,088 days with the Atlantic Fleet from December 1941 to November 1944, and 276 days with the Pacific Fleet. She expended a total of 53,090 for rounds of all types totaling 3,548.9 short tons of 
ammunition, traveled 123,867 nautical miles, spent 414 days underway, consumed two or 22,367,996 U.S. gallons of fuel oil. That is a lot of money in fuel, and I can't imagine how much food was consumed aboard by her crew. Following the end of hostilities, she entered Operation Magic Carpet, which is just kind of bringing U.S. servicemen home after the war. She then proceeded to New York to take part in Navy Day celebrations, and then was part of Operation Crossroads, which was the nuclear test at Bikini Atoll, in which she was sunk and expended in or well she wasn't expended in the test she was heavily damaged or she wasn't really even damaged she was used in the test deemed too radioactive to use anymore so then they towed her back to pearl harbor and used her as a target and, and sunk her and that is the story of USS New York please do stick around for the world of warships section of this episode i know you're going to enjoy it so without further ado here is a message from this episode's sponsor so which one of you enjoyed the message from today's sponsor? Welp, looks like some things never change. <laughs> Alright, well, in all seriousness, let's get back to the World of Warships section of today's episode. I will be reading all the specs of USS New York in top configuration for the sake of simplicity. But she has 49,100 hit points. She has a main battery that consists of five turrets, each with two guns in them, and they are 356mm, 45 caliber Mark 8 rifles. She has a reload time of 30.5 seconds. They have a 180 degree turn time of 60 seconds. Oof. Pretty bad. I mean, I mean, it's not too bad, but like for a battleship, it's, it's okay, but it's still really slow. Firing range of 18.04 kilometers. That has recently been buffed. It used to be 15 kilometers. Maximum dispersion of 240 meters. HE shell is a 356mm HE slash HC Mark 22 shell. Maximum HE shell damage, 5,000. Chance of fire on target caused by HE shell, 30%. Eh, it's okay. Initial HE shell, initial HE shell velocity is 834 meters a second. The HE shell weight is 578.34 kilograms. AP shells, 356mm AP Mark 16. The maximum AP shell damage is 10,300. Yes, these things do pack quite a punch. Now, initial HE, or AP shell velocity is only 792 meters a second. AP shell weight is 680.4 kilograms. Secondary armament is negligible in top configuration. There is only six 5-inch guns, have a firing range of only 4 kilometers, have a 7-second reload, and they only do 1,800 damage maximum, have an initial HE shell velocity of 960 meters a second, and have a 6% chance of fire on target. So they're pretty much useless. A defense is pretty good. I'm not going to exactly go through all of them, but uh, long range do have a, or most of them have a range of 3.51 kilometers, and it does a respectable amount of damage. Uh, maximum speed is only 21 knots. It is slow. Very typical of U.S. battleships. She has an okay turning circle radius of 600 meters. 
I mean, that's pretty good for a battleship. Rudder shift time of 11 seconds, which is mediocre. She has concealment surface detectability range of 16.02 kilometers, which is awful, even for a battleship. Like, it is, it, it's pretty bad. Now, air detectability range is obviously going to be bad as well, 8.35 kilometers. Yeah, so there's not a huge gap between how far you can fire and when things are going to see you. So that can definitely be a downside to this ship. Okay, so what is my overall thoughts on the American Super Dreadnought USS New York? Well, she's decent. She is only decent. And that's because, I mean, she's got a lot of downsides. And mainly is the stock hull is a huge, it, it's horrible. It's a huge downgrade from the World War II version of Wyoming, which you see as the top-tier hull. So the uh, top configuration hull of the Wyoming is better than the stock configuration New York, and that's a huge downside. It's a horrible grind to the, I guess, uh, the top configuration New York. Something I figure I should mention but I haven't really had a problem with, is the fact that the magazines are all along the hull in USS New York, and that causes a much higher chance of having a detonation when torpedoes hit. Like I said, I really haven't had a problem with this, but that's not to say that maybe you'll run across this problem, so don't be surprised if you get hit by a single torpedo in underneath one of your turrets in the barbettes and your ship explodes and gets immediately sunk. That's that's apparently fairly common in this ship. Now the firing arcs on this ship are pretty terrible as well. Like, unless you want to show broadside to a target, forget about that third turret. It's never gonna fire at anything but broadside targets. And even even the the uh, most astern turrets, the stern two turrets, have a struggle in firing what's called over the shoulder and back at uh, targets that are in the front of your ship and the the second turret so that would be x turret is going to struggle to fire backwards when you're kiting away from a ship so kiting away is when you're kind of you're just kind of backpedaling so you're going uh you're you've turned your ship around and you're trying to shoot what's called over the shoulder so back at a target yeah that second turret is not going to be able to fire so yes You'll spend an uncomfortable amount of time pretty much completely broadside at many other at other enemy ships because you can't get any of your guns firing. And that is where the pros of this ship come in. And that is the fact that she is tough as nails. There is this is probably the hardest ship to kill at the tier other than maybe Koenig, and that's about an even, that's about a draw between the two of them. They are very, very tough. New York is very tough. She is very compact and well-armored, which means her armor is in the all-of-or-nothing scheme, which means that the, or that's, that's just the theory that the U.S. Navy had the, so we should put a ton of armor on this ship and make it really slow or put no armor on it and make it really fast and maneuverable and they went for the former which is a ton of armor on the ship it's very hard to citadel in pretty much any range but it is more heavily armored on the belt which means that you're going to find it easier to 
citadel in New York and harder to use your armor at longer ranges. The ship truly excels at mid to short range combat, which is kind of weird because its secondaries suck. But since it has such good armor and bad accuracy, it needs to get in close to deal damage. So, which means it's going to take damage, and it's very good at taking damage. It will, or I guess deflecting damage. It doesn't take a lot of damage. It's only got 40,000 uh, HP, but it it really uses that to the max. There's really, there's, I very rarely have I gone into a firefight with this and gotten overextended. And, I mean, it's easy to get overextended in these ships, but it's not. Also, like, you can, if you find yourself overextended... Yeah, it's, it's a bad situation, but you will last a really long time there. There's, other than the, like a surprise torpedo strike from a destroyer, there's really nothing that's going to immediately take this ship out of the game and just knock it out. And that's one of the pros of this ship. Also, the pros, huge guns for the tier. Yes, very, very large guns for the tier. So, and, and, I mean, and they hit very hard too. It's not just that they're big guns, they also hit very hard. And they're actually very, very accurate at mid-range targets. And they are a major, major hazard to enemy cruisers. And even battleships can get very wary. And I did a previous episode on the Oktoberskaya Revolutia, which I believe was my second episode. And this ship will eat that ship for breakfast if it's broadside. Now, if it's not broadside, it'll be even draw. But if... The October Revolution is broadside. You will find yourself citadeling that thing to bits. And you'll find yourself saying something along the lines of, No, that's a lot of damage! Every time you see an enemy cruiser, which can be really fun and, and it's a rewarding type of gameplay. But it can be frustrating at some times. So, let's get into the upgrades. So, slot one, yes, main armaments, mod one. Yes, always. Pretty much always. You could go with auxiliary armaments for a full anti-aircraft build, but generally just main armaments. Pretty standard. So, slot two, yeah, you're going to have to do damage control mod. I would really do that because you're going to, it's a big ship, you're going to catch a lot of high explosive shells, and you're going to catch a lot of torpedoes, and you want to lessen the risk of flooding and fire. And with option three, artillery plotting room. Yes, I would take that just because if you get in a tier seven fight and you have ships that can shoot out to almost 20 kilometers, you're not going to be able to compete with them. So you're going to want that extra range. Even though you might not hit many things at that range, it's still very useful for when... I, you're just trying to get shots out. You do want to enclose the range because your deck armor is pretty thin and it's going to punch straight through that pretty easily and possibly get a citadel, although that's fairly rare. It will definitely get some high damage penetrations, and that can be annoying when you're dealing with stuff like Gneisenhaus and Colorados and all the other scary things that are at Tier 7. So that would be uh, that's a very good choice. Now, with commander skills, I mean, it, there's there's a huge amount of variety. Um, I, in in slot one for your commander, or the first tier, I would pick priority target. I'm going to go with expert marksman slot two to get that turret traverse down. Then I'm going to go with superintendent 
because that will uh, give you an extra charge of all your consumables. I mean, it's not super useful. You can go with uh, basics of survivability for 15% less time extinguishing fires. That can be useful. And and you could go with the survivability expert. But I really wouldn't go with demolition expert or anything like that because it's not very useful. You could go with basic firing training, actually. That's that's also pretty useful. Uh, 10% to, or minus 10% to the reload time of main battery guns and caliper up to including 139mm and all secondary guns. Makes them a little more useful in the secondaries, but it's mainly for the uh, 10% increase the continuous damage from your AA guns that you're going to use. Now, with the fourth tier skills, I really... It's a choice between fire prevention and concealment expert. I think I would use concealment expert, but fire prevention is also useful because it reduces the risk of fire by 10% and sets the maximum number of fires a ship can have. In It's reduced to three. So I rarely ever get set on to fire or have four fires going at the same time. But maybe if you do, if you're really reluctant to use your damage control, or you use your damage control early all the time, that might be useful. All the other skills are kind of useful. IFHE would not recommend. Um, actually, advanced firing training can be used if you're going for an AA build, but other than that, don't really use it. RPF, radio position finding, uh, that can be useful. Um, not super duper useful for signals. I typically mount uh, November Echo Set 7, and that's to increase my AA performance, because this ship's already got pretty good AA performance, just giving it a buff. Uh, as to the magazine detonation thing, you could also mount Juliet Charlie, which completely eliminates the risk of your ship's magazine detonating. You could have India Yankee, which I actually use a lot, and that's uh, it decreases the fire duration by 20%. India Delta d increases the amount of hit points that can be recovered by repair parties, so your heal, and by or by twenty percent. And that's I always fly that on my battleships, pretty much always. Sierra Mike, which is a five percent increase to your ship's maximum speed, that's like polishing a turd. I would really, I don't recommend using that. I would save it for your destroyers and cruisers. November Foxtrot, which is a five percent re reduction to the reload time of all consumables. I occasionally fly that. I really save that for my Russian battleships, though, where that's pretty, uh, it's very useful. And you can fly whatever economic signals you like. I fly Papa Papa, which is a 300% increase to the free XP earned. I just have loads and loads of X free XP. And then I also fly Zulu Hotel, and that is a 50% increase to the commander XP earned from a battle. And that's useful because it takes forever these days to get commander XP to get new commander skills. So I would fly that. They recommend, uh, I mean, World of Warships Wiki recommends flying equal speed Charlie London. And that is a 50% increase to the XP earned for the battle. I don't really use that because I'm already getting a 300% increase in my free XP earned for the battle. But that's really up to you. So that is my recommended signals. So what do I really think about this ship? Well, well, I think it's it's pretty good. It has its ups and downs, but I think it's overall really good. It's more, I guess it's easier to play than the New Mexico. 
So if you learn how to play the New York well, the New Mexico is just kind of a more extreme version of New York. The New Mexico's guns are way less accurate. It doesn't have the range, and it's also pretty slow and even more sluggish. The turret reverse is worse, but the guns hit very, very hard. So you'll find yourself kind of doing the same things over and over. Even when you get to the Colorado, it's kind of the same thing as the New Mexico. And then you get to the North Carolina, and that's a whole different ballgame. So what's the gist of the ship? Well, the gist of the ship is close the range, brawl, and avoid destroyers at all costs. Because if you see one, your reactions will be something along the lines of... No, 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 But anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Rank Amateur. And please, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're on and support my podcast by donating any small amount of money on my Anchor webpage, which can be found at anchor.fm slash rank amateur, or more accurately, rank dash amateur, and your donations are greatly appreciated as they help uh, cover our production and hosting costs. And also, don't forget to head over to my Anchor webpage to check out my rank amateur merchandise, which I think is pretty sweet, and I think you'll find something that you enjoy as well. It's in the link or it's the link in the description of all of my podcast episodes and it's on my anchor webpage. Please also email with any questions, concerns, comments, or other thoughts you may have about the podcast at rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com. And I will catch you next time, captains.